Hey everyone, it's Caleb. I'm so excited that you've decided to spend a few minutes of your day here with me on the Learner's Corner podcast. And today, uh, we are back for a brand new episode of something that I've started doing recently. This would be the second time of doing it, but I want to give you um, just some of the stuff that I've been learning from lately. And so I'm... uh, I think I've come up with a name for it. I think I kind of want to call uh, whenever I do these episodes, the library, because it's the stuff that I'm learning from and you get to pick and choose what you want to explore further in that. Uh, And you get to find out some of the things that I'm learning from and what, um, like kind of what are the key takeaways and why, why do these things matter to me and why have I chosen to, you know, I guess recommend these things. And some of it is going to be, you know, books or podcasts or um, or articles or in some cases, uh, TV shows and things that I'm taking away from that and really just a whole lot of different things in it. And so we got that coming up in a little bit and I'll kind of uh, go through some of the things that I'm learning from and some of the things that I've learned here recently that I want to share with you. But if this happens to be your first time listening to the Learner's Corner podcast, I do want to let you know about a couple of things that really uh, drives the podcast and really is close to the heartbeat of it. And it's really these two beliefs. And the first is that we truly believe that we can learn from anyone and from everything. And that uh, and that sometimes that means learning from the example of people who have, who have failed in different things. And maybe they've gotten it completely wrong, or maybe they shot for the stars and they, and they failed. And, and, um, and we're learning from what not to do from them. In other cases, we do learn some best practices and things like that. And the other one is that we want to create a safe place to have difficult conversations because there's just some things that you can't talk about with other people. Um, Because, you know, maybe, maybe the other person views it as too political or too controversial and they get emotional about it and you're finding yourself yelling and screaming about it and you didn't even know how you ended up in that place. Well, here on the Learner's Corner, we want to create a place to have some of those difficult conversations. And kind of going back to the first one is that we don't have to agree with everyone completely in order to learn from them. But everyone offers a different perspective in it. And I don't think that any of us have it 100%, right? I think that's part of the purpose of learning and growing is that we don't have it right. And so we should always be open to learning. We should always be open to growing. And so I would love to hear some of the things that you're learning from and the or even some of the topics that you would love us to talk about on the podcast. And the best way to reach out to me is through the Learners Corner email address, which is learnerscornerpodcast at gmail.com. Would love to hear from you and anything else um, just that you're thinking about or learning from as well. And maybe you might find uh, one of the resources uh, coming up here on the podcast, or if you just have any questions that you want to ask me, you can feel free um, to send those to the podcast as well. Now, without any further wait, let's jump into the library. Okay, so for this first one, let me set up a little bit of just kind of the background on it and everything. So part of the job where I work at is I am in charge of my my official title is missions director um, at the church that I work at, and one of the 
one of the responsibilities that I have is working with uh, other organizations, uh, other nonprofits to figure out different ways in which we can partner with them through volunteering, through financial um, contributions on our end, and how we basically how we can best work together. And so a few months ago, I came across this organization called the Village Network. And uh, the Village Network does a lot of work in adoptions. I'll, I'll read you um, a little bit about them. But their mission is to work in partnerships to empower youth and their families to build brighter futures. And, uh, and they're beginning to implement this collaborative problem-solving uh, technique with a neurosequential model of therapeutics. And it helps address the individual needs of youth and their families. And uh, their services include community-based services, residential treatment, and treatment foster care programs uh, throughout all of their locations. And so they're they're based out of Ohio, and um, well, they're also in West Virginia as well. And so anyway, one of these organizations that uh, that we're looking to partner with is the Village Network. And so we were meeting, and and one of the off one of the services that they offered is uh, providing some mental health training. Or and that uh, that can help us. And so, one of the things that we looked into was hosting a mental health event. Of just beginning uh, that conversation. That's um, one of the things that we're doing at uh, that we've done recently at the church that I work at is beginning this conversation around mental health and trying to figure out how we could be mentally healthy people. And so, at uh, one of the campuses that we work at, or that. One of the campuses at our church uh, hosted a mental health event with the Village Network. And this is why uh, it matters to me. And I'm going to kind of tell you what one of my big takeaways for it is, um, is I'm personally always looking for tips or uh, practices that can help me be a more mentally healthy person that can understand uh, my behavior and what's happening with my motivations and my thinking and all of those different things. And so at the training, I was introduced to this uh, this uh, triangle model that I had I had never heard it put this way before. And uh, if you could picture it with me, it's just this triangle. And they talked about how we often look at the behavior, but there's stuff that's happening under the behavior that's influencing it. And so on one side of the triangle, if you put behavior, and then on the other side. You know, you find emotions in there as well, and motion emotions can often lead to behavior. And the thing that leads or that results in the emotions is our is our mental, is our thinking, is our uh, mental uh, ability, and realizing that it is the the mental side. It's the belief side. I would I would use the term belief that informs our emotions that drives our behaviors. And so I'm pretty sure this is something that we've talked about on the podcast before. But the big takeaway for me from that is learning that our behavior is about more than our behavior and that our behavior is often rooted in some type of belief and some type of, I don't know if lie might be the word, because it's not always a lie. Sometimes it's a good thing. Our behavior is tied to our beliefs, and sometimes that's good whenever our beliefs are healthy and good for us, and that's not always good when our beliefs aren't healthy and they aren't good for us in it. And so it just made me think of that 
and realizing, okay, trying to pay more attention to my behavior and what are the beliefs that are actually driving the behavior. And if I'm getting behavior that I don't want, what are the beliefs in my life that are informing that behavior that, that make it? What are the beliefs in my life that kind of signal to me of whether or not that behavior is okay? Because my behavior is informed by my belief. And it's important to think about this because our behavior can often signal a state of where our mental health is. And it has more to say about that. And, and this kind of seems common sense, except it's, except I don't think it is. Like it, it makes a lot of sense whenever you think about it, but whenever you actually see it and, and practice and go, okay, do we actually practice this? I'm not sure that we do. And so that's the first thing that stood out to me is this kind of behavioral mental triangle in that and, and learning from that and being willing to dig down deep into what, what is my behavior actually communicating to me. Now, the next thing that really stood out to me or the next resource that I want to talk about is the book At Your Best by Carrie Newhoff. And if you've been listening to the podcast uh, for a little bit, you know that Carrie is one of my favorite people to learn from. And I'd, I'd heard a lot of this material from him before because I listen to Carrie's podcast all the time. I've heard him talk about these things, uh, whether it be through different courses or blog posts or podcast episodes or ver- various other mediums as well. There's two things that really resonated with me that's different in this book. And I think it's because of kind of where I'm at right now. And recently I've just I've just found myself doing a lot more self-reflecting of trying to figure out what type of life do I want to live and what do I want that life to look like. And kind of the phrase or the sentence that has just come to mind is I want to work on build building a life that I don't want to escape from. Like, I want to love my life and I want to love uh, every aspect of it. And that doesn't mean that stuff isn't hard. Like, <laughs> you, can, you can love things that are difficult or that are challenging, but I want to love my life. I don't want to wake up and uh, dread what the day is going to bring. And so for me, just trying to figure out, okay, what what does that type of life look like? And Carrie's uh, book has been, uh, it's revealed two things in particular to me that have made me reevaluate different things. And the first is that he talks about Dunbar's number. And if you're not familiar with Dunbar's number, basically it's this uh, theory from, uh, the guy's name is is Dunbar. I can't remember what his first name is off the top of my head right now, but his theory is that we can hold about 150 relationships at any given time in it and no more than that. And so he kind of breaks it down and he's like, okay, so you can hold, and Carrie talks about this as well, that you can hold about three to five true friendships. And they both talk about, you know, that's intimate relationships with people whom you have a habit of connecting with at least one time a week. And then you have uh, 12 to 15 people who they refer to as kind of the sympathy group. 
And these are friends you connect with at least once a month who share your values, interests, and often perspectives on life. And so Dunbar says, you know, the total of 20 relationships between these first two circles is about all that most humans can manage to truly know. I mean, meaning we know what's happening with these people. We kind of know the good, the bad, the ugly, what what life looks like, what they're dealing with, uh, the the highs, the lows, to celebrate, we're able to celebrate with these people. These are the people that that you want to hang out with and that you want to spend time with in it. And then the the other thing is like, okay, so there's 130 other people, you know, maybe if you're your best, it's 125 other people. You know, I know that there's there's people who maybe have a higher threshold of relationships and are able to keep track of more stuff than that. I'm not like 20 people sounds about right for me of being, uh, of knowing what is happening in their lives. And so these these 100 uh you know 50 people you know they're the people that you connect with at parties on vacations at summer uh barbecues or picnics at annual gatherings or just reaching out to stay uh in touch with them and so you kind of you know the details like you know their name you might know like some of their you know kids or their spouse or their partner or some of some of the you know the the details of life about them you know the the big broad strokes of their life, but you really don't know what's happening in um, in the day-to-day grind of their life. And it's interesting because he then, Carrie talks about, you know, we're designed for 150 people, and yet we have this desire to connect with more. I mean, the the, the thing that illustrates this is social media, whether that be you know, on Facebook or uh, Snapchat or Instagram, or even on maybe not so much uh, Twitter, I guess, as well. But we have this desire for more, and we get we're designed for 150 people. And trying to reconcile, and I'm and me trying to reconcile that. Okay, if this is what we're designed for, then the natural question is for me who are going to be those 20ish people that you spend your life with and thinking through okay which of these people am i willing to like adjust my life to because their friendship or their relationship means so much to me and i think realizing that and Understanding that just because somebody doesn't fit into that three to five group of true friends or the 12 to 15 group, uh, or even in the 150, that that doesn't mean that they're bad people. That doesn't mean that it's a bad relationship with them. It's just recognizing what the relationship is with the person and not expecting more than that, of letting the relationship be what it is. And you know, for your for coworkers, that it's okay if you just remain coworkers and that you don't become best friends. That you don't have to become best friends with everybody. And I think just the idea of, and I'm I'm so guilty of this, of prioritizing people who are in the 150 category or outside of the 150 category to the detriment of my three to five 
or of my 12 to 15. And so, and then, well, I'll, I'll get into this a little bit better later, but that's the one thing. That's one of the things that I'm thinking about this. And then the other thing that Carrie talks about is red, yellow, and green zones. And basically, it's just the point in the day of, you know, in your green zone, you got a, you got a ton of energy. Yellow zone, you kind of have medium energy. And red zone is like, well, I don't really have any energy at all. And he talks about aligning your most important work to those to the green zones and figuring out what to put in the yellow zones and the red zones and figuring out what your best day looks like. Um, and Carrie just talks about, you know, so that you could do your best work when you're at your best. And so for me, recognizing that and trying to figure out what does that look like in my calendar? How does that align with my job as well? And just figuring out all of that just the messiness of just figuring all of that stuff out. And so trying to figure that out, trying to work some of that stuff out. And it's kind of led me um, to kind of these, these takeaways of learning. Okay. So thinking, so for both of those things, thinking about who matters most to me and making them a priority by scheduling them on my calendar. And so I have several recurring things that happen each and every single week. I have time for my family, to which I spend. We have a family dinner every single week, and we do that. And I go over to my parents' house with my siblings, and I hang out with them, and we catch up on life, and we talk about that. I have um, three one-on-one meetings that recur each and every single week with different friends of mine just to catch up on life. And we uh, usually talk about some of the things that we're learning. And in a couple of these cases, we go through a book together and work through that. I have another meeting on Thursday nights to where I hang out with a group of friends and we just relax because they're important to me. And then it's also figuring out in that schedule of like, okay, so where does podcast work fall into there? Where does exercise work into there? Um, where does you know communicating with people um, as well. And this is this is also just trying to figure out like the green zones of okay for for that stuff. You know maybe exercise should be in a in a red zone for that. That's one of the things that I've taken away from Carrie and trying to figure out okay when's the best time to communicate with people. I don't necessarily want to spend a ton of time unless it's a super important thing communicating with people in my green zones. And so what that's led to is like me minimizing constant communication. We use Microsoft Teams at the organization at the church that I work at. And so not having Teams open all the time. That's what that looks like for me. I've started doing like some, I just call it early morning thinking to where I schedule out time. And I just start thinking through what are the things that I've um, the questions that I've had that I haven't had time to explore. And for me, some of that stuff is faith stuff. Some of that stuff is leadership stuff or personal growth stuff or just figuring out life stuff for me, but trying to figure out when are the best times for that stuff to happen. But the ultimate thing, and the reason why I'm doing this is because I'm trying to build a life that I don't want to escape from. I want to build a life that I love. I want to build a life that is one that I don't have to escape from. So that is Carrie's at your best. This next one is from Carrie as well, but it's from his podcast. And it's uh, from an episode recently that he did with John Mark Comer. It's probably one of my favorite podcasts that Carrie has ever done. And the title of it is 
John Mark Comer on why we believe lies about freedom, sex, truth, and culture, how the left and the right fail, and the way forward for the church. And there's so many different things that I could talk about in here. The conversation focuses a lot on uh, on his latest book, Live No Lies, which I'm going through right now, which from, which will probably end up being uh, something that I talk about here in these library type of episodes, I'm sure, at some point. Um, honestly, there's enough stuff in there that it might just be a whole episode in and of itself. But I want to talk about something specific that I learned from this episode that um, that isn't in the book. And it's this, uh, what John Mark was talking about whenever he was preparing sermons or uh, or messages. And he said that, you know, he has three focuses in it. And the three focuses are he wants to teach scripture, give people practices to form their heart and body into Christ-like character, and provide cultural commentary on it about, you know, what is what is uh what is good in the culture and what may be misconstrued in the culture or um or unhealthy of the culture or what's healthy in the culture. And it and it just made me think of um just my own communication style of going like, okay, so for me, what is the what is the big idea that I'm presenting? And you know, for for a lot of it, you know, for me being a Christian, that does fall into uh, Christian ideas. For it, and then okay, what practices am I giving this person to live out in this? And again, for me, for most of that, falls under Christian specific practices. Um, but I honestly, you know. I I believe that anybody can do those things as well, and that you don't necessarily have to be um, a follower of Jesus in order to to practice some of those things. And I think the other thing is providing uh, commentary on why maybe this other path or this other belief doesn't work. And it just made me also think of regardless of uh, of what worldview that you have. I hope whenever communicating that you take this type of approach, you know, teach whatever the truth is or whatever you believe that the truth is, give people practices for that truth and provide the the cultural commentary on what may be wrong or missing in said thing. And uh, I think the reason why I'm so interested in this is because I love learning about different aspects of stuff. I love and it builds critical thinking as well because it forces me to think through my arguments in it. And one of the things that whenever I'm I'm preaching a sermon, I always try to speak, and it's not even just to a sermon, but whenever I'm speaking, I always try to think of the specifics in it because it's in the specifics that it resonates with people. If you leave it in generalities, it's hard to resonate. It doesn't connect as well, but thinking through the examples, and I know that's that's one of the hard things, and that's why a lot of people don't do it, is because it takes time to think through the specific life examples of the truth that you're trying to communicate and how that applies to people's lives in it as well. Um, and the I think the other reason why I'm interested in it is because, or really just this whole idea that John Marcus talked about, is because it ties back to what I mentioned earlier with the Village Network as well, of identifying the lies, identifying the beliefs that we hold that aren't healthy for us. And the other big takeaway is uh, just this quote, and I've heard it you know, uh, so many times from Dallas Willard, but there is no problem for which the ultimate solution is not discipleship, 
to Jesus. And for me, being a follower of Jesus, I do hold that view in it. But it also just made me think of for who, whatever world view that you hold, I hope that is true for you. I hope you believe that, that, you know, for you, that there is no problem for which the ultimate solution is not whatever your worldview is. And I think just the thing is of being willing to go, okay, if my world view isn't working for me, digging into what that might be. And I think for me, a lot of times what it's, what it's forced me to reconcile is that I did not understand Jesus as well as I thought I did. And I think the the great the one of the examples that always comes to mind uh, for me of this is just the idea that um, that if there's a good God, He wouldn't allow bad things to happen. And that's that's a very deep question that uh, honestly probably don't have. We I think we might have talked about it before on the podcast before. I don't necessarily have the time to address it right here, but going like that's that is not true of the Christian God. That is not found in the Bible or not found in the New Testament, that God does not allow bad things to happen to people. And like I said, that's a big uh, question for it. And there's a lot, there's a lot of stuff that goes into there, but that's just one of the things that I've learned about how my perception was wrong of God and how it was wrong of Jesus is that I didn't necessarily think that was the case. I thought only good things could happen to me, and that took a lot of uh, retooling. It took a lot of deep work uh, and excavation work on my own part to to root that out and to figure out what the truth was in that. Okay, next I want to talk about another book, and this is by far the you could call it the most nerdy thing uh i'm willing to say that this is probably the most nerdy thing that i've ever read before and i'm still going through it right now it's called uh the best there is at what he does examining chris claremont's x-men by jason powell as i've mentioned on the podcast several times uh, over the last year i've really gone back into comic books uh over the pandemic that really was just uh um a passion that I rekindled and I started learning just not only how much I love comic books, but how much I love stories in general. And one of those is, uh, you know, is the method of, uh, comic books. And so, uh, one of the best stories that I've, uh, read throughout the year is that of X-Men. And so that led to me wanting to purchase this book. The best there is at what he does examining Chris Claremont's X-Men and Chris Claremont is really the person who he wrote, X-Men for about 16 years and brought the X-Men into, into their prominence in, from, uh, from about the mid-70s uh, all the way through the early 90s and helped popularize of X-Men. The X-Men were actually uh, a franchise that had been canceled, and then Chris Claremont is uh, really the person who helped bring them to the forefront of the conversation and everything. And obviously that led to the movies and, you know, the animated TV show and just all of that stuff as well. But through reading this book, I've realized, and I've learned a couple of things. I've been learning a lot about story and trying to figure out what that looks like and what, what makes stories really resonate with people. 
And I think one of the biggest ideas that I've learned from that is just this, is that the best of fictional characters are treated as real people. And that the, the writers, the authors who are willing to invest in creating characters that feel real are often the authors and the writers who craft the best stories in it. And I think that's one of the reasons why I love the X-Men so much is that they provide so much detail in it. And I'm not going to read through all of these, but all throughout the X-Men run, Chris Claremont's X-Men run, he provides such detail, stuff that is benefit to the character and not a benefit to the plot necessarily of the story. But I think that's the thing. If you build out your characters, it it can enhance the plot of the story. And so I'm just going to give you one example that uh, that Jason writes about in this book of details that we learn about the X-Men lives, uh, lives from all of these different characters. And in this one issue, X, Uncanny X-Men 109, we learn that Wolverine likes to hunt animals, but he doesn't, but he not to take their lives. His desire is to be so at one with nature that it accepts him. Another couple of characters, Moira McTaggart and Sean Cassidy, who is the uh, mutant banshee, officially become a couple after flirting for several issues. We learned that Storm, or Aurora Monroe, lives in an attic, which she covered in flowers and plants. We learned that Nightcrawler is a fan of an Australian-American actor, Errol Flynn, and is dating a woman he met about 10 issues earlier named Amanda. And we learned that the superhero or the X-Men Colossus writes to his family about missing them, missing them and his home country of Russia. Jason writes this, none of these are groundbreaking innovations in and of themselves, but to see them all occur within one 17-page span is testament to how much Claremont is putting into each of these personalities, to what degree he's already begun to think of them as essentially quote-unquote, real people. In so doing, Claremont has struck upon the key by which the X-Men will eventually become so beloved, the stars of the best-selling superhero comic in America for decades. In short, he decided to simply write a biography, the story of the X-Men's lives. And then Claremont, who's, as I mentioned earlier, is considered to be the best writer of X-Men comics of all time, wrote this in his X-Men Visionaries volume that the key in the X-Men series longevity and success is that these aren't superheroes foremost and always these are people and so here's some of the takeaways that i've taken from that is that as i mentioned earlier the best fictional characters are treated as real people that they're fleshed out another one is that if you want to create meaningful art create realistic stories whether that be through a speech that you're doing or a song, or a podcast, or a painting, or drawing books, or even comics. The ones that resonate with me the most have that aspect of this is real life. I can see the vulnerability, and I can see the imperfections in it. And just as I mentioned earlier, that requires us to get specific in it, of what are the specific examples. And sometimes it's a personal example, or sometimes it's just thinking through the lens of someone else, walking in their shoes and understanding what their pathway might be and understanding what their motivation is as well. And here's why this matters so much to me is because 
I want to create works of art that matter and that last. And that's done through things like understanding story and understanding what makes great stories work and and what's happening in them and what are the keys to them. So that's what really matters to me is understanding work that arts, work of arts that matter and wanting to build works of art that matter and last. Okay, now to end the podcast, I do want to read one quick quote from Twitter that I saw recently, which I've been uh, thinking about. And it's from Sharon Hod Miller. And it's this. A healthy growing tree experiences pruning, dormancy, and storms. This is why the question, are you growing in your faith, can be unhelpful. Growth looks different in different seasons. And sometimes growth even feels like death. And I think to me, it reminds me of a couple of things. It reminds me that our idea, as she said in there, our idea of a growing faith isn't always congruent with what we've been told a growing faith looks like. A growing faith doesn't always look like it's growing. And that the same is true for other people as well. Is that our idea of what their faith growing might look like could be wrong. And that it might not be what we think. And so with that, that's all that I have for today. If you want to check out any of that stuff, I'm going to link to all of that stuff in the show notes. And if you have anything that you would love us to cover on the podcast, Leave us a rating, write a review of the podcast. Email me at learnerscornerpodcast at gmail.com. Would love to hear from you for any questions, takes, resources, anything like that that you may have as well. I want to give a quick thank you to Garrett Oler, who does the editing for this podcast, Sam Massey, who does the music for this podcast, and to everyone who I already listed before for creating all of these awesome resources as well. And thank you for listening all the way to the end of the podcast. That's all that I have for you today. So until next time, my name is Caleb Mason. Keep learning and keep growing.